Welcome to the Slumber Party Pod, a deep dive into decoms. I'm Lizzie, a trash scavenger. I'm Hannah, a supernova girl. And I'm Sam, a disaster major. And this week we clearly have another guest um, for our discussion of 1999's Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. This week's guest is one of my very best friends on the whole planet, and also potentially other planets, given the uh, topic of today's today's discussion, Sam LaRoe, who we have featured on the pod before in a different I know, context. Not a stranger. Right. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm Sam, enemy of the pod number one. Um, <laughs> I'm claiming the title. I'm going to put it on a button. Um, I'm here in peace, I think. We'll see how this conversation goes. <laughs> and so excited to be here. I just got done hosting Big Blue Broadway on WJMU 89.5 The Quad. Uh, and then I scuttled over here to my little studio. And now I'm here virtually. The yeah. link to listen to Big Blue Broadway will be linked in show notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every Sunday at 6 Central. Yeah, obviously we don't um, release a video of our podcast, but if you could, you would see that Sam is much more professional than Lizzie and I um, (laughs) with our AirPods and Target microphones. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't purchase anything if it's any consolation. This is simply because I pay $50,000 a year to be here. Um, So I'm going to use everything for personal gain. Anything that I can find, mine. (laughs) Absolutely. As, As you should. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so as Hannah mentioned, today's movie, this week's movie, I should say, is Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, which I believe is the earliest decom we've reviewed. I think... Or was Halloween Town earlier? Halloween Town came out just a couple months before. Okay, so this is an oldie, but... It's still older than all three of us, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But dare we say an oldie but a goodie? I, I would yes. dare it. I would dare it. All right. So, Sam, as our guest of honor this week, it is your job, should you choose to accept it, to kick us off with our 60 second summary. You know how I like kicking. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um,. Would you like me to count you down? Yes. I love the enthusiasm. Three, two, one, go. Sweat miner, everybody. It's Xenon Carr, girl of the 21st century. The year is 2049. Chelsea Clinton is president. uh, And Microbe, the band, is coming to this space station where humans have been living for about 30-ish years, I think. uh, And they live just very human lives it's not like anything super weird except they're dressed like they're from the 1970s but the future 1970s uh then uh xenon our heroine she gets into a little bit of trouble uh like she does because she's quirky and not a witch but an astronaut and (laughs) then uh she's sent to earth because she is grounded wink wink uh where she finds out that the girl's at her school are not so nice, but some of the boys are kind of nice. But then she uncovers a massive insurance fraud scam that is definitely not Elon Musk. And then, and then uh, she works to uncover it through small discs. (laughs) Oh, that noise. 
Well, that was <laughs> the most entertaining 60 second summary we've ever had. <laughs> I Lizzie asked me if I would do that when she asked me to be on the pod. That was like the only thing she said I need to prep for. So I prepped that opening line for some time. Uh, uh, sweat minor, everybody. Yeah, that was rehearsed. Don't think that was off the cuff. Everything else was off the cuff, but that opening line start strong, figure out the rest. It was I love great, it. though. I love it. Thanks. I go to acting school. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie, would you like me to do the Disney Plus summary or do you want the honor? Please do because I don't have it in front of me. Okay, I do. So according to Disney Plus, 13-year-old Xenon Carr lives happily with her family on an orbiting space station in the year 2049. But after getting into trouble with the space station commander, Xenon's parents punish her by grounding her on Earth with her Aunt Judy, Cetus Lapidus. On Earth, she has trouble fitting in with the other kids, but luckily she can always talk to her best friend, Nebula Wade, via phone, video phone tablet. While she's stuck on Earth, Xenon uncovers a plot to crash the computers of her space station home, putting everyone on it in danger. Calling on help from Nebula and her new Earth friends, Xenon must find a way to get back home to save her family and the entire space station. I love gasping. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, slightly less entertaining than Sam's. Yeah. But Someone had to do it. Information they had a good Cetus Lapidus in it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> there jinkies. are so many words that I, I took it as like a jinkies. It's like an exclamation. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if the words had an actual meaning. I don't think so. I don't think they have a meaning beyond Xenon. My biggest secret is that I'm kind of an idiot, uh, but I could kind of pick up on some of the space like nods. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get to see this Lapidus one. Um, I think it was well, just quirky. I- did well i didn't get it because i'm also stupid but i did a search to figure out how to spell it and it i found a buzzfeed article saying oh my god we've all been spelling it wrong the whole time because everyone thought it was zetus lapidus with a z because of the z branding but it turns out i think cetus comes from like the name of some star or something extraterrestrial oh good and lapidus maybe just rhymes it would be convenient here if we had someone who knew about science. Yeah. I can tell you about acting methods. And boy, am I going to. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> and boy, will that be a topic of conversation. <laughs> uh, Hannah, do you want to mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about how this movie fared with critics and audiences who felt the need to air their grievances or applause on the internet i sure can um we are you know trending of not trending keeping with the trend um this has a 62 percent audience score on rotten tomatoes because why wouldn't it every movie we've done in the last month has it seems and no critic score okay Rude, but sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm looking, actually, there's one critic score, like no critic score, but one critic review on Rotten Tomatoes, and it just says, tween sci-fi adventure has TV vibes, but plenty of positives. Three out of five. That's yeah. it. Didn't list any positives. Um, <laughs> but there are plenty of them. And then on IMDb, I think it's about the same, 6.4 out of 10, which is in line with what we've been doing. There you go. All right. Yeah, that feels good to me. 
But yeah, so like I said, you know, that's basically in line with everything we've done in the last month, which has just been Halloween Town. I feel like that's all we've done on this entire podcast. And then what did we even do last week? Dad napped. That was like a 6.5 as well. Um, But enough of other people's thoughts. What about you, Lizzie and Sam? Maybe Lizzie, then Sam. Uh, what is your score out of five? So, last week I gave Dadnuck a solid three. Um, I had never seen it before. Xenon Girl of the 21st Century, I absolutely have seen before. And I really enjoyed it this time. And I am going to give it a... I'm going to give it a 3.5, but I would like to say the only reason I'm hesitating is because I'm thinking about what I've given past movie scores, past movies that we've done, and I also gave Get a Clue a 3.5, but I definitely liked this more than Get a Clue, so I think Hannah and I had discussed perhaps editing or getting some Get a Clue ratings. As, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was not... But yeah, so Xenon, I'm giving a 3.5. I liked it more than Dad Napped. Okay. Love it. Um, I'm a guess. I'm going to shoot high. I'm going to give it a solid 4. I'm just... I have always loved this movie. Um, It's something... Like, I know we talk about, like, the nostalgia monster. um, But... Rewatching this, I was kind of like, yeah, there's no, there's not much of a plot. Yeah, whatever. Um, but most of the messages kind of hold up. Um, once you get past the idea that I don't think the person who wrote this has ever met a child ever in their life, um, <laughs> it kind of holds up. Like the ideas are there. Once you think of them more as like characters rather than like anyone trying to emulate real life, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I love a good, like, oh my gosh, things are happening bad things are happening and i love a moment of stress uh which is what this movie (laughs) movie provided me yeah there was just enough plot i think yeah yeah like there was plot but no action yeah there was a story um i also i unlike lizzie and sam i had never seen this before um and it was super cute i uh, and kind of going back and forth between 3.25 and 3.5. I liked it better than Dad Napped, I think. Like, I think I would be more willing to rewatch it than I would be to rewatch, than to rewatch Dad Napped. Um, I think I was going to go with 3.25, but I think 3.25. I'm going to stick with it, but I definitely liked it. I liked it more than I thought I would as well. And Excellent. it wasn't what I expected, I'll be honest. Well, what did you expect? Let's get into that a little bit. Um, well, I knew, obviously, like, I knew it's a classic. It's Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. But I, for some reason, thought going in that, like, she was, like, from another planet. Like, I didn't realize she was, like, an Earthling living in, like, the International Space Station, basically. But, like, private and owned by Bezos. Um, I, like, (laughs) thought it was kind of like a, like, Clark Kent situation. Um... And then, yeah, so basically, like, that was my thing. Like, I thought she was an alien. Understandable. Yeah. I think that, like, the coolest thing about the movie is that it didn't set it up like they were aliens. Because I think the movie would have been a lot less enjoyable if she got sent to Earth as an alien 
We have to like watch an alien do their thing because that's what Halloween Town is. Um, they find out they're aliens and have to figure out how to human again. Um, uh, but anyway, like it's just normal stuff, like semi-relatable for 1999. Like, oh, I gotta get to class, but I'm also on a space station. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you know, winning prizes on the radio and. Loving a band, a boy band. So this is a fun Less. cast. Um, so Xenon Cars is. made by Kirsten Storms. First of all, what a name! Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. who is of not only Disney Channel original movie acclaim, but also has been in almost every soap opera known to man, um, and a fair amount of Hallmark and Lifetime movies. Yeah, for me, her claim to fame was that she is the voice of Bonnie in Kim Possible. Yes. Um, But she's been in, like, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital. um, And her best friend, Nebula, is played by positive Disney royalty, Raven Simone. I know, and I had no idea she was in this. I totally forgot that... Raven Simone was the person who was in this. And then it was an exceptionally exciting discovery for me. I was thrilled. I and think I'm, this was the only Xenon she was in, though. I think I so. so. I believe so as well. Um, those were the two people that were kind of the most exciting to me yeah i had written that like right away her mom to me for a second i was like is that chessie from the parent trap and of course it's not (laughs) um she just kind of had curly hair but then i did look i looked it up um and her mom is played by gwyneth walsh who was in star trek so i thought that was funny like she was in another space themed show oh sure i did have a note on the mom and i don't remember what it was but Mm -hmm. Um, maybe we'll just get there when we get there, because I'm not finding that note. But the dad, who was played by Greg Thurloway, gave me big Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park vibes for some of it. And I would not be surprised if that was, like, intentional, but he's also been in a lot of kind of spacey related stuff. Cause he was in First Wave and X-Files. Um, but also has been in other Disney related things. Um, he was in Jesse and something else that now escapes me. But yeah, it was yeah. pretty. I think this was kind of pre there being people who were kind of characterized as like decom stars yeah i was gonna say this was only the fifth ever official decom obviously like after the disney channel premiere films um but the only other like cast note i have is that the guy who plays greg his real name his real name is also greg and i just thought that was funny (laughs) method acting his name is gregory Keeping it simple. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the man who played Protozoa, Philip Rice, um, 
he went on to have more sci-fi fame. I think he was on Doctor Who for a time. Um, and he credits this a lot. Uh, and he always giggles about it um, because we'll talk about it later, I'm sure. Um, when he got the part, I mean, he, I think he had the hair before the audition. So that was already like a done deal. Uh, and when you, when you have the English accent and you're like, you just have the hair like that, that's how you're getting cast. You're getting cast as this vaguely amoral... <laughs> guy um rock and roll yeah um but nobody asked him at the audition if he could dance fun fact there was no dance call there was no like hey would you be comfortable blank he knew he was gonna sing um but you'll notice um they started to film it and they did like dance work and he's on set rehearsing he's like i i i'm not doing this and they're like oh it's a little bit fine. And so they like simplified it. They filmed it, um, but it was so bad. He's just, it was remarkably bad. And then they looked at him and they're like, can you really not dance? And he's like, no, <laughs> I cannot. Um, so you'll notice his dance moves are mostly like this, se- uh, what is it called? Step touch thing going on yeah. uh, with the guitar, pointing at Xenon and then pointing at the stars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> those are kind so of his moves. Because his whole plot is that he's going to dance with someone that's his mm-hmm. only purpose yep you you have to wonder who that got how many people that got passed <laughs> to not even think yeah. about if the man could dance um but he said he had a good time so and it was very evident that he did not have dance training yeah it was it was a lot of just like yeah shimmy to the right shuffle to the yeah. left yeah but i would zoom, also zoom, like zoom. say this uh movie was maggie's first um, how do I want to say this? Exposure to the frosted tips situation. Oh. What is that? And I was like, well, Maggie, that is the height of fashion. For 1997. You said, have you ever heard of NSYNC? Yeah. Oh, which it certainly has. Because... We are in sync people before we are almost anything else in this house. So. Um, I guess, I mean, that would be a good segue, except for that there's more in our objective history section we could get to. This is based on a book. Is it really? Yeah, it's based on, I have notes. Sorry. I should have had them ready. (laughs) It's based on a, a book of the same title, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century, which is a 1997 children's science fiction picture book written by Marilyn Sadler and illustrated by Roger Bolin. Um, Cute. And it seems to, from my limited research, be kind of the same story, except for, like, also on Earth, she lives with her grandparents and, like, lives on a farm. Okay. Sure. But, yeah, Fair so enough. this is one of our, like, this is, I think, only our second decom that we've reviewed that's based on a book, which is kind of funny because so many of them are based on books. Yeah. The, the only other one was Avalon High, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's so interesting. I think it's interesting that it's a children's picture book that got yeah. into this where Avalon High was kind of like a middle grade YA book. Um, mm-hmm. So. Which like now that's definitely that's like more like the Disney Channel demo. But yeah. who knows? I mean, obviously, this was, like I said, only the fifth ever actual decom. So maybe they were like, this is children. Yeah. Or maybe they were like, no one will know about the book. Yeah. Um, f- 
fun fact about how this all like came to be. It was a book that the directors were trying to adapt into a TV series for Disney. Um, and the TV series just did not take off. Um, people were not that interested in seeing Xenon every week. Uh, <laughs> Xenon in the cars. Um, because, I mean, you probably, in theory, like Halloween Town, you talked about, this might have been a better series. I think this one was a better movie. Yeah. Um, because, like you said, there wasn't a lot of plot to, like, build to the idea. Because Xenon figures out pretty, like, immediately that this guy's the bad guy. There's no, like, let's chase this around week by week. She's like, you're the bad guy. I know it. And I'm blonde. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <order>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i i think that's interesting because yeah. that was i liked that that wasn't we're kind of skipping ahead here but i liked that that wasn't the main conflict and it was like she already knew the kind of solution to this issue she didn't know why he was the bad guy but she knew he was the bad guy and yeah. the main conflict was everyone else getting in her way <laughs> <laughs> yeah no one believed her damn it which i feel is very representative of something <laughs> well and when you think about how how old is she 12 13 in this i think 13 um, years old when you think Remember, about she's like 13 she can handle herself duh this is <laughs> disney um when you think about like six-year-olds that look up to her and 13 year olds that are her um I think what's cool about her versus Marnie um, is that Xenon is equal parts likable and ex- like explicitly bothersome. Uh, she she will bother you and she knows it. Um, and I think like kids can get into that. Like, oh yeah, I'm kind of annoying. Um, but she like owns that as part of her thing. Um, and we just go through that with her. We're like, oh girl, like I know that this is real. But you cause problems every day. Yeah. So it's like Alex Russo vibes. Like Yeah. Well, yeah. Like she's our love, protagonist, but people love a semi-unlikable like narrator. And also people love a likable, like, neighborhood troublemaker. Mm-hmm. And Maggie kind of likened this to Eloise from Eloise at the Plaza. <gasps> yes. Another blonde girl who runs around and both solves mysteries and uh jack shut up (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so we talked about the exact same thing as we were watching it um because she does kind of like the first part of the movie where she's on the spaceship like she's actively like messing things up and only kind of kind of a brat you know she takes an unsupervised spacewalk just because she wants to essentially see, like, a pretty sunrise. Yeah. And they're like, we have a window. And she's like, you guys she are users. Are you coming with me or not? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, what is, what is, what is? I guess, I mean, that's a pretty good segue. We could have segued twice, but you gave us a little bit of Maggie's opinion, but maybe yeah. we could get some more thoughts from an actual child, Lizzie? Oh, can we? Oh my god. You have a full notebook today. Full notebook. So, direct quote. I speak for almost everyone when I say, 
Every grown-up in this movie, except for Aunt Judy, sucks. Government leader, stick in the mud, Karen. Parents, neglectful and workaholics, hardly better than Michelle's dad. At least Judy made an effort other than that. Four out of five, cute decom. She woke up and chose violence. Yeah. Um, but for... was she wrong? No. No. Also, I would just like the phrase, government leader, stick in the mud, Karen, tattooed on my body. <laughs> I'm like crying a little bit. I don't know if anyone who listens to the pod knows the is- complicated history of Lizzie and I. Um, Maggie and I, uh, we've always just clicked. I love hanging out with Max. Um, and we just like, we get each other. We do the thing. Um, and I love that she's growing into this. <laughs> this. Um, a chaos monster? A chaos monster that I always knew she'd become. Uh, <laughs> there's this photo I treasure. Um, I I forget what show it was. I'm wearing way too much makeup, so probably um, crazy for you, I think. Um, uh, but I'm standing with Mags and her little like red thing going on. Um, and if you look in both of our eyes, we're both either like very excited or about to commit a homicide. Um, and... That's where Maggie and I are parallel lines. And I just think that's wonderful. Yes. Um, Maggie and Sam have been besties since Mags was about six. For half of her life. Yeah. That's crazy. That actually makes me feel a little bit physically ill. But that's all right. Um, (laughs) The years start coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> and soon it'll be thoughts from an actual teenager. Yeah. Alright, worse. Okay, let's skip ahead. Um, okay. There we go. I've had enough of that. So yeah, that was thoughts from an actual child. Maggie's hot takes on Xenon. Girl of the 21st century. And I think to really re-emphasize the 4 out of 5 that she gave Xenon, um, she did ask when we could watch the sequel. So, and I said, sometime. (laughs) Yeah, not next week, but... (laughs) Not next week, but eventually. I mean, I'm interested in watching the the sequels as well. Although, I mean, like, I've heard, obviously, I've not seen them, but they're cultural phenomenons, so I've heard about them. And I know that there are certain characters that don't come back and and such. Well, so this is really interesting. So this whole subplot of Xenon winning this, essentially, radio contest to get to dance with... Uh, protozoa when the band what's the band's name microbe 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 i almost i don't know what i was about to say but when because microbe is supposed to be the first rock concert in space and the whole subplot where xenon wins the contest so she gets to dance with them at their concert i remembered as the primary plot of this film and I did not remember that she gets sent back to Earth. So when her parents were like, we're sending you back to Earth, I was like, oh, but obviously she doesn't actually go. Like, she <laughs> it. And then she was like, on the freaking Jeff Bezos SpaceX thing, going back to her Earth. And I was like, wait a minute. 
You were like, how is she going to dance with Protozoa? I skipped. I missed something here. Something went wrong. Um, but I guess this is just us moving on to our, our thoughts on the, on the movie. Yeah, I think so. Sam, would you like to start us off? I know you have a lot of opinions, and I know you also really wanted to talk to us about, on the production side of things, the acting in this film. Oh, I, I think, like, I, blah, 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 is what I think. Um, Fair. <laughs> um, Sometimes when you're studying film, um, you start to think about the director as what's called auteur or mm-hmm. author um, of what's going on. And I thought this movie is so nice to look at. Um, I love the vibes, like some of Xenon's fits. I'm like, okay, girl, let's, let's, where can we reel this in? Um, but some of them I'd like, I'd wear this. Um, um, but the colors, I love a color scheme. Like the pink and blue thing going on. Mm-hmm. Loved that. The kind of androgynous way everybody dressed uh, into that. Um, but I think it's one of those things where you learn to get over the plot holes because the trade-off is good. Like the message is there, you know. Um, like I know with Halloween Town, it was hard for you two to drop that. Oh, I know. I listened to all of them. Um, <laughs> I think you're the only one who did. <laughs> um, but... I think that um, the message of like diversity and like how out of like at the beginning, Xenon was like, you're also like inky out of place. Like you don't even know about microbe. Like, who do you think you are? (laughs) Um, But then like when she went to earth with people who were like her age peers, she was the one that was like, didn't know about earth things or money. Swimming. Swimming. That was, I, was a little stressed there. That got weird in that scene. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I was excited about it. It was very like soapy. Um, I could see where she was like, I want to do soap operas next. Yeah. Um, she just recently got her life back together in case you were wondering. Uh, she had a bit of a 2015 moment. Um, oh. oh, no. But she, she's, she's good now. Divorced and better. Um, mm. You <laughs> said that for her. Um. So that's always exciting. Um, like I said before, I think this film worked because they said everyone is kind of equals. They were just humans on a space station and then humans on Earth. Um, so the similarity was there. The There was no like, I'm a weird sub race of human thing going on that we had to like learn all about. Like we'd just be like, oh, she's human. I get that. Um, A1. Uh, the lingo. I love some clever lingo. Um what were was it they kind of used like smurf um oh gosh yeah was, there was one i'm like you're using that word very fast and loose uh i don't think it was inky hold on i'm i'm gonna google like xenon lingo oh did i write it down maybe it was lunarius Ooh, lunarius definitely was used a lot um But regardless of what it was, um, oh, I love when, that. When very she cool. said sweat minor. She said sweat minor. <laughs> sweat minor, Aunt Judy. Yeah. <laughs> like, relatable. Um, I'm into that. This was the one thing I did agree with you about the CGI thing. Because normally I can get past that in old films. Like, especially if it's like a $500 budget film. Um, 
I can like get past that. But this one, I was like, oh, okay, we're not, we're not gonna try. No, All right. I wrote the space CGI kind of isn't it. Is <laughs> not it. Like they had the spine to do an opening montage of space, but the space wasn't good. <laughs> like, no, was like, it was like uh, the beginning of a documentary you watch in like your seventh grade science class. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that was a whole thing. Um, I kind of liked the clever use of costuming. I know we touched on that already, but like Raven Simone was wearing like slinkies in her hair. Um, a whole look. Uh, all about that life. Um, what else do we talk about before this? Non-problematic men? Yeah. Uh, that boy's feelings were not asked <laughs> or heard. Um like at the end you kind of expect like oh she's gonna go back to earth to be with greg no no not interested she just facetimes him and is like no, she dedicated you... the song to him didn't she for something he wasn't there for <laughs> and yeah a, and a band i'm assuming he didn't seem that interested in that band yeah um he might not i even forget that they're not a space band but still he was like he just did that boy crooner thing where he's like yeah yeah thanks um and I'm all about that. Um, on a technical acting note, um, it was interesting to see what Kirsten Storm did. Like, she reminded me of Woody in Toy Story because everything's an emergency. That girl has no chill. Um, it's always like, oh my, like Sweat Minor guys, like we got to do this. Like, what if I get in trouble? Sweat Minor, like. Uh, what's that line she says about her life being a black hole? Like She has, oh, I literally have it up right here. She goes, one sin minor in my life is a living black hole. <laughs> Are there dead black holes? One sin minor, girl, you almost died in space. You could have. <laughs> yep, fully. Just quirky fully things. Died. Um, It's so hard to be 13. I would have to say, <laughs> I've just pulled up some facts and statistics um the budget for xenon was five million dollars i'm sure it was uh would you like to know what the effects budget was I five would. million dollars came in under five hundred thousand dollars and you could yeah. tell <laughs> that seems like it adds up yeah well i guess like half of the movie took place on earth and the other half sure. in space didn't look good. So <laughs> so there you go. Which I guess is why they decided to put it back on Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what? For that, I applaud them. You should know know your limits. <laughs> know your limits. Yeah. yeah. Just like pick a lane. Yes. Do that. So I thought it was very interesting that this was set in the year 2049. So when this came out in 1999, it would have been like... 50 years in the future. Yeah. Now we are at the point where it is less than 30 years in the future. I do not foresee this sort of space station kind of civilian living scenario. Uh, well, have out. you guys ever seen um, The 100 or read the books like on CW? No. 
Oh, okay. So, like, that, it's, like, kind of the same thing, or at least that's how it starts, is, like, it's people living in space, and it's, like, the International Space Station, but they made it bigger because there was an environmental disaster, and they had to live in space. And that takes place in, like, 21-something, mm-hmm. like, the 22nd century, I guess. Yeah. So it's, like, further in the future. And, yeah, so I don't see that happening in, in 30 years. If it does, I won't be partaking. Well, I actually, I had some questions for you all, and that was one of my questions, was, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong, I'm back to dad napped. Um, one of my questions for you all was, um, if you could go to space, would you? No. I would never. Oh, Hannah, you're breaking up. Oh, oh no. What about now? No, we can hear you now. Okay. My answer is no, I would never. Um, If the option was go to space or live on Earth and die, I would stay on Earth and die. Fair enough. Sam? And that's my answer. Uh, I'd shoot my shot with space. Uh, Like... Incredible. I love dramatic 13-year-olds and... um, like when she gets to earth for the first time and like she like trips and makes the like i don't even know how to describe the scene she made like a scene major we'll say (laughs) um so much that like everyone within a half mile radius comes running to her and she's like i'm fine like okay and then we like watch her like sludge up another ramp because she's like oh i didn't have gravity um that's how i'm trying to be when i get back from space i think okay to be fair like in the world that we live in now i would never go to space i never will i don't even like flying in an airplane i get space i not space i get motion sickness (laughs) in a car i get space sickness but to be fair and i think i did note this like in Xenon, when they show them in their little shuttle that, like, goes from Earth to the station, it's very smooth, very easy, no vertical launching. Like, if, hypothetically, it was going to be, like, a little ride where you didn't feel anything, maybe I could handle it. Yeah, the science on that was really interesting and um, not explained whatsoever. But, again... No. They know they couldn't do it. Yeah. No. No. It's kind of one of those things like the rule of all fantasy worlds, most fantasy worlds. That if you ask too many questions, things start to unravel very quickly. I'm seeing you, Harry Potter. Like, yeah. if you ask too many questions at once, very crucial things start to come undone. And we just can't have that in our good, clean, Christian space station. Yeah. No. I will say, one of my favorite parts, I liked, there is a scene where they were kind of talking about living on Earth. And they were, they were very dramatically, this group of 13-year-olds, talking about all the horrible things that are on Earth that oh, yeah. you have to be really concerned about and really scared about. Um, my favorite on this list were weather, which you cannot predict, so how will you know what to wear? And second, sneezing. <gasps> yeah. Which then makes a fantastic physical comedy comeback in the future when she gets to earth when she sneezes 
and falls down the stairs. Yeah, because the kids were like, I've never sneezed before. Yeah. Immediately after making contact with Earth, she steps outside, sneezes, falls down the stairs of the airplane. She did not take a Zyrtec before she landed. It cracked me up. I don't know why. I think it was just just really, it really got me. (laughs) The thing is, and like, I was kind of thinking about this while watching and even more now. Like, she has not, I think one of, either Lizzie or Sam mentioned earlier that they've been on in space for like 30 some odd years, maybe. But Xenon and her family have only lived in space for like seven years now, mm-hmm. maybe eight. Like she lived on Earth until she was five. And yet, and like, obviously when you're five years old, you know, if you move when you're five, I moved when I was five and I don't really remember where I lived before. So it's possible like she wouldn't. But one of the reasons she so has all these like hesitations about Earth is because her mom is instilling all of this fear into her. Like her mom is freaked out by Earth. And if it's like, if you're, she must have lived there until she was like 30, Mm -hmm. at least. Yeah. It is interesting, especially, like, especially when they then had the aunt, who is the mom's sister, uh, was the exact opposite and was just, like, horrified by the idea of, like, living in space and going into space and was like, absolutely not. Um, staying here, terraforma, um, terraforma, terraforma. <laughs> Terra yeah. firma? Firma, I think. Firma? Firma. Terra firma. Solid ground. I'm Solid ground. Terraforming, which is something very different. Um, I'm going to cut that part out. It's just easier. Um, Thank you. And so that was very interesting. And then, of course, you see at the end, the aunt makes the leap. And in order to help Xenon save everybody, goes into space. Um, and then falls in love with the evil, with the, uh, stick in the mud Karen government official, as Maggie would refer to him. Yeah, he wasn't Um, evil, he was just a Karen. Yeah. He was just boring. (laughs) Yeah. I would say, like, the only, like, fun thing that came, well, obviously from, like, the mom being all scared about Earth, was, like, the sneeze comedy we got, obviously, but also that she needed a stress helmet in a chill chamber. I loved that. I said, where can I get one of those? Oh, and it was hilarious. There was part where she really ticked her parents off and it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. She was trying to kind of look into these evil kind of investor guys who were who had come from Earth, who own the company, who runs the space station that they're on. And they caught her, what they thought was trying to get into a, like, classified part of the space station. And then, oh, trying to, oh, they caught her. She got in serious trouble. This is kind of the catalyst for her getting sent back to Earth. And before the parents kind of lay into her about this, you see her standing there with two stress helmets. And she was like, I think it would be best for all of us if you guys put these on. And I was like, that's hilarious. 
<laughs> like, that's a hoot. And also, that's such, like, a 13-year-old thing to do. Yeah. Like, Mom that and Dad, was like, moments, take a chill pill. Like, that was one of the moments where the dialogue felt, like, genuinely something a 13-year-old would say. Like, I think this would be easier for all of us if you guys wore these stress helmets. It's like, yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. Pardon me. All right. Cut that out. We, yeah, I know. Can we talk about my favorite part of this movie? Please. I hope so. Xenon and Greg. Yes. Personalityless, unproblematic King Greg. I love him. This is why I love this. Um, I loved this because it was so easy to, like, just accept that this this little flirtationship was happening um, because he had not given us any reason to not want it to happen, which um, I can say about few other uh, decom love interests. They've all got a little something, um, except for like Marnie and Cody. Marnie was the, the something wrong. Um, yeah. Which is fine. Um, but she is like kind of a jerk to him. And then there is a moment where, because he is trying to, there's like some sort of language barrier, I think. Like, I don't remember what it is. Is it like just like the slang issue where like she's using space slang and she doesn't understand the earth slang? Oh, yes, that's exactly what it is. And she says, first of all, a fantastic and somewhat devastating line. She says, You know what? I studied my schedule and nowhere on it did it say anything about taking a foreign language. <laughs> and he's just like trying to help her. So, like, yeah. if he had been a jerk, I think the line would have landed better. But then you just kind of end up pitying him. And then yeah. he like calls her out on it later and it's like, yeah, I was just trying to help you, so I don't think I'm gonna try anymore if you're gonna be like this. And they have well, also like some like genuine reconciliation. You think that like he, he probably was assuming that she was up to date on at least some like Earth lingo. Yeah. Like clearly on the space station they have Earth pop culture because they're into microbe and protozoa, and yeah. that's not a space band. That's an Earth band. So he and you know they can. They clearly have television and FaceTime. He probably thought, oh, well, like, she would be, she knows I'm not saying something mean about her. And she was like. For context, for those who obviously cannot <laughs> see, Hannah just did a uh, double, double flip in the bird to the camera. She didn't actually do that, though, because she was 13. But, like, he oh, saved God, her from hilarious. drowning and she, like, yeah. was mad about it. So that is, so this brings into question one of, perhaps truly the biggest villain of the movie, Margie. Mm. <laughs> Sam, I could tell you have some thoughts on Margie. I think I'm a feminist. That's what I think. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I think you in 1999. <laughs> I don't think okay. Margie was a feminist, so... Well, here's the thing. I think I could see the writers touring with the idea of Margie being a space xenon, or a, an Earth xenon, rather. Like, someone on Earth who thought they were kind of better than everyone else, um, thought their stuff don't stink, you know? Like, um, 
And I think they just weren't ready to make the connection. I think they weren't ready to have Xenon learn anything from that. Um, because they didn't want to write a girl villain quite yet. Because uh, I don't know. I mean, in the early ones, it was Calabar was a guy villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know when it is we get our first gal villain. Um, but I don't think they were ready to like take that extra leap of like, maybe women can support women. I don't think Disney was quite there yet in 1999. <laughs> No, and I think if there had been, so my issue with her being kind of this villain character was that her only motivation for disliking Xenon is that Greg did like Xenon and Margie liked Greg. So it was like an unrequited love, kind of a love triangle, but also not. And I was like, Margie seemed to think that they were actually dating or that they like had been dating. Yeah. Yeah. Greg was like not happening. Yes. And I think they, there were some moments of her like trying to convince him to like her or to like date her that I think they tried to write in a way that would have been funny. Ha ha. Like, the audience kind of laughing at her for being so out of touch and for being in the wrong here that didn't land quite correctly. So I just kind of ended up feeling a little bit bad for everyone involved because it was so awkward. And like, I mean, I guess that's awkward. I guess that's accurate for a 13 year old, any sort of potential romantic situation. It's never going to go great, but I love that dialogue in one of many Volkswagen bugs um, <laughs> that um, she, she keeps bringing up. Like, I thought I told you to stay away from Greg. Like she has some sort of power over Xenon. Like even in the classroom where we see her be rude to Z the first time, it doesn't seem like her classmates, like they giggle, but it's not like they're like, Oh my gosh, she's not the Sharpay Evans of this school. Right. No. Um, or the Regina George. I don't know what your demographic is. Um, Probably both. Probably both. uh, But then Z has this iconic line. Okay. She just opens the door and she's like, Greg is a big boy. And then big boy swoops in and he's like, and he's here to tell you that we are never happening. Like he lays it out pretty explicitly. Um, But there's no like fallout from that. She doesn't like, there's no stakes for her to fall from. Nope. From her losing this. Because then she's like helping her get back to space. Because she wants her out of this situation. I guess. Yeah. But... <laughs> she like yeah. dives in the backseat of the beetle. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, all right. I guess I get it now. I'm on the good team. <laughs> I, I understand <laughs> men don't want me. <laughs> me too, like Margie. Me too. Men shouldn't want you, honey. You're 13. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Margie had the ugliest clothes I've ever seen. Um, so I'll just, I'll just say, <laughs> um, the little poof pieces. I didn't get it. Um, I'll just say it. Fashion's a playground, but that's not where I play. Those are trendy <laughs> again, though. We saw them in, um, we saw them in Get a Clue too, and in our little 2021, oh. 2001, whatever it was, mood board. Those the are back. Poof pieces. Yeah, like the like the like the furry poof part. That's what you're talking about, right, Sam? Ooh. Yeah, like when she wore it kind of on her blazer. Yeah, like it's like um, on the lapels and on the yeah. on the collars. 
that's yeah. so hard when you're 13 because you just want to be cool so bad. I know. And nothing you do is going to be cool. Seventh grade is the worst year of everyone's life, probably. It's true. Whether they know it or not. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't really, but that's fine. <laughs> All right. I moved, I moved to Europe in seventh grade. <laughs> I did okay. <laughs> Everything after that has been kind of a bust, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, and this is, I do have one knock against our boy Greg. Mm-hmm. There is a moment where he's talking to Xenon, and he does pull a little bit of a you're not like other girls moment. <laughs> I was like, Gregory? She's exactly like other girls, because other girls are also cool and smart and awesome. But then I remember that this space. But then I remember this is 1999. And in some circles today, that is still considered a compliment for people who have not dealt with their internalized misogyny. And as such, I'm gonna give it a little bit of a pass. Because it wasn't super explicit, but I was like, Greg, you could have come up with a better compliment. But then I said, 23-year-old men still think that's a compliment. So, <laughs> yeah. we'll give a pass at the age of 13. <laughs> it reminds me of that, like, TikTok, like, sound that was, like, trending probably about a month ago. And it was like, we're not, like, endangered species. When it's like, <laughs> when guys are like, oh, like, wow, like, I don't know. I can't think of an example. It's so cool that you're a girl who likes Star Wars. Yeah. We're We're not not like an endangered species. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Xenon would have made a TikTok to that. I will say, considering the fact that she is someone who has not grown up in a normal kind of like human Earth environment, Xenon really kind of held her own in terms of this situationship with Greg. And she takes the lead there. And I was talking to Hannah and Sam about this, I think perhaps before I clicked the record button. And she says, there's part where there's some clear tension between them. She goes, you know, if you want to kiss me, just do it. Which is great because explicit consent is exceptionally important. And the fact that she had a grasp about that explicit and enthusiastic consent at the age of 13 is very important. I like to think that they were teaching them some good things at that weird hologram space school on the space yeah. shuttle and not just lecturing them about Chelsea President Clinton. Chelsea Clinton. So <laughs> let me tell you, the fact that that was like in the first two and a half minutes of the movie nearly made me pee my pants. I was, so, it was so unexpected. It was like, oh my God. And then I was thinking about all the things that have happened since 1999 and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Clinton, Clinton was president in 99, wasn't he? Yeah. Loved it. Loved to see it. Um, there you go. I, um, I feel like I had something to say about Greg, but I don't remember. Oh, yeah. She, she says, you know, she in, invites him to kiss her. And then they bump noses. Yeah. As they do. And then they go for it again. And, like, the phone rings. And they don't ever actually kiss, I don't think. No. Which is fine don't. because they're 13. I think she kisses him on the cheek before she leaves. Yeah. And at the end, we do find out that her intention is to go back to Earth. So, perhaps they'll kiss then. In terms of um, snotty actor 
information. Yes. Um, when you think about um, unions, which are extremely important, especially in this industry, um, you have what's called the LORT contract, L-O-R-T, um, League of Regional Theaters. That's that over here. Then there's Actors' Equity, which is kind of like the next step uh, and also combines with LORT. Um, but uh, Actors' Equity, once you move past LORT, goes into uh, commercial and Disney. Um, and commercial theater, that sort of stuff is like Broadway and all sorts of stuff that's bent on making money. Disney contracts are commercial contracts, but Disney adds extra things. Um, and it's the same pretty much across the board for film and theater and all that. Um, but one thing that's a staple across all three of the contracts in the union is that intimacy scenes have always been very like have to be in the contract, have to be discussed almost a year ahead of time. It's not something you can just like throw in 13 year olds kissing. Um, so I imagine even in 1999, um, they always ask the kid what they want to do. And a lot of times like at 13, I probably have been like, no, yeah. <laughs> um, especially like you think about all the kids that have had their first kiss on camera. Yeah. Um, it's creepy. And like it's weird. And probably no way. Uh, well adjusted person with that happening. Yeah, so I don't think it was an accident that they didn't kiss kiss. No. Um, because nobody wants to watch 13-year-olds kiss. No. no. Not even 13-year-olds. True. No. No. And then either. speaking of protecting children, um, can we talk about how creepy Wyndham, who is the main villain of this movie, was to Xenon? So... Kept winking at her. Suggestively. It made me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, even the little, um, like, virus, like, bug that he sent to hack her computer winked at her. Mm-mm. Unnecessary and gross. It was Elon like he, Musk. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, he is 50 and she is 13. This yeah. is creepy. It did work very well to uh, help us pinpoint him as a villain straight off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of creepy men, I don't think we talked about the scene where Xenon is like lurking in the trash and then accidentally reveals herself <laughs> to Lutz, the yeah. Wyndham's like assistant. Uh, and she plays the card of like, well, I'm just a little old girl and I would hate to walk to my house alone. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why don't you leave now? Yeah. Um, I don't understand the character voice he was doing. Thought it was weird. But I let him run with it because I care about him. Um, <laughs> but uh, girl plays her cards. I did She's gotta like hustle. that his response to that was kind of like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> he's like, um, no. Like, clearly, if you are lurking down here in the middle of the night and you got here by yourself, <laughs> you're going to be fine. You fall out of the garbage can. You do the lawn. Um, Yeah, I did like, I thought that was a very uh, funny kind of through line about Xenon and Nebula rooting through the trash to find little bits of things to like make into jewelry, which I think was funny when you were talking about the slinkies that are in Nebula's hair, Um, which first of all, I cannot even imagine how much of a pain that must have been to get out. Oh, that yeah. it made my scalp hurt just thinking about it. Especially I can't has, like, imagine that those were real slinkies, though. 
Oh, probably not. But no. still, I mean, she has like like she had like coily, yeah. curly pigtails. Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was a wig. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I will say, um, here, kind of towards the end of our discussion, we typically talk about some of the favorite lines, um, and I think my favorite line of. The, what am I trying to say here? Oh, of the movie was when Aunt Judy comes to pick her up in her VW bug after she has landed back on Earth. And she goes, you look like the Xenon I knew as a baby, just taller and more miserable. (laughs) (laughs) And that really, it really tickled me because I was like... That sounds like something like an aunt you haven't seen in a while would say. Like, What else did Aunt Judy say? She said something along the lines of, oh my god, you've been here for one minute and you're already having better luck with men than I am. Yes! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Aunt Judy, she was funny. I liked her character. I mean, I would have... I'm a fan of a competent adult in a children's movie because we don't typically to get a lot of those and she was not an example of a competent adult character but she was funny and considering the fact that Xenon's parents sent her to a different planet away from her family as punishment um seemed a little I liked her as a character and as a kind of semblance of support I was gonna say, like, she wasn't the most competent adult, but she felt like the most competent adult in Xenon's life. Yeah. Yeah, considering Xenon's parents very clear, like, had very clear differences of opinion of what her degree of punishment should be. Yeah. And the dad was, like, very evidently not super into this idea. And the mom, who is the one who was afraid of Earth in the first place, was like, yeah, we're sending you back to Earth. Yeah. It was very, like, um, like Sky High, which I'll keep comparing because we sadly won't get to talk about that movie because it's not a decom. People keep requesting it. And, guys, it's not a decom. You know, I hate to say it. Maybe one day we'll pretend. I hope so. But it reminds me of, like, yeah, the scene where the dad, like, has to pretend to be upset and really was like, but, like, wasn't it awesome? Yeah. (laughs) I guess the last thing, typically, like, towards the end of our thing, we'll also talk about maybe some music. Do we want to talk about there's one song in this movie? Yes. We should bring it up. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Make my heart go boom, boom. You're right. Uh, You could put it in now if you want, but you don't have to. That's the only lyrics. We will be putting it in because I already downloaded the MP3. Um, So we will be putting a little segment of that in here. Um, but yeah, so the one kind of music, again, a D- DCOM loves a one featured song moment. Mm-hmm. A one featured song, especially if music is not a subplot. However, music was a subplot in this because, you know, it's supposed to be the first rock, con- first rock concert in space. This is the only song that we hear from this band, Microbe. Um, and it's the song and it's that- so gets- bad. 
Get performed. Okay, that's your opinion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's so, my podcast. I can say I what know. I want. I know. Um, Maggie and I did say it is not a it's not a great song. Um, however, his vo- and also no. his voice is not great, but it is the only decom song that we have talked about so far that has gotten stuck in my head. So, I think it has that going for it. Really? I think like- they- oh, sorry, go ahead. I think they definitely wrote it for commercial appeal. I think they thought like, let's make money with this now and skipped like artist, any artistic justification. Like the song is called supernova girl. In case you didn't know what the song was actually called. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't before I looked it up before this. Um, There's no gravity between us. Our love is automatic. Is the line right before the chorus. Uh, Interesting. Uh, zoom, 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 zoom. Make my heart zoom. go boom, boom. Even musically, boom, boom. like that. Oh, that frustrated me to high heavens because you get that one, two, three, and then they go one, two, and I'm like, should have been boom, 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 and he goes, "You're my supernova girl." Yeah, and I'm like, okay, like we get it. You have frosted tips, but can, <laughs> can we work on your musicianship? He's got frosted tips and no rhythm. What? That's the tagline. <laughs> what was the contest? Like, obviously, the contest was to win a chance to dance with him. But what was the contest? Was it to prove that, like, you were the biggest fan? Because, like, was it to prove you were Zoom enough, like, to, to call back to Dadnapped? Like, because yeah, Xenon so. won by, like, making a voodoo, like, essentially, like, a doll of him, like, a voodoo doll. And, like, mailing it to Earth for him. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> he chose to see it as affectionate. <laughs> Rather than threatening. Yeah. And I did think it was funny that she put a little picture of herself in his hands. And that's how he identified her. Yeah. When she got there <laughs> and tried to enlist his help in solving this, like, issue. He was like, oh my god, it is you. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was like, what was the contest? Because, you know, all her friends obviously entered and they didn't make dolls. No, Raven Simone. Oh, sorry, guys. Raven Simone says she, how she did it is she wrote an essay. Oh, yeah. About, like, reasons why she should be the one who gets to. And I also like that every, all the other kids on the space station were like, oh, yeah, as if Xenon's not going to win. <laughs> they really just fed right into her main character. We had a girl like that. At my elementary school, that, like, she was in my year, and we were friends for, like, a little bit, but, like, she won everything. Anytime there was an award to be won, it was this girl. And it was, like, why would the rest of us even bother making a poster for the D.A.R.E. program that we had to do in fifth grade? (laughs) When we know Madison, sorry, I almost said her name. Cut that out. When we know she's going to win. And she did every time. Yeah. Well... That's so classic. This I really do. I'm glad Maggie and I were on Parallel 4s there. Um, that was not even an accident. Um, <laughs> I think that a lot of the film's sentiments are kind of what makes this slightly above Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. Um, like the idea of like, we're all just human. Humanity is mm-hmm. universal. Blah. Put it on like a <laughs> button or something. Um 
I maybe we should make buttons actually that say like justice for Margie. (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't. They said no female villains yet, but also you can't win. Yeah. And also you can't be a good guy. So (laughs) find something to do, Poofy Blazer. Um, (laughs) Xenon can only have one friend who's a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xenon has like a lot of friends that like I had trouble keeping up with like the Earth kids and the Space kids. I think they kind of intentionally cast kids that look similar to kids. That's what vice I, yeah. versa. Oh yeah, like there was um, like, each kid that one in space and one on Earth that were like the good at being technical and hacking yeah. and stuff. Yeah, super fun. Um, Aunt Judy reminded me of um, what's her name from Incredibles two. That turns out to be the villain. Um, yeah, I don't know her name, but I know exactly. Her, like the sister like, of the... Yeah, like the depressed lesbian energy. Um, <laughs> that is something I think we need to see more of in media. Uh, <laughs> oh, and the mom, Xenon's mom on the space station, I said, gave me more kind of uptight Helen Thermopolis energy. The mom from Princess Diaries. <laughs> like her odd way of trying to relate to her daughter felt very similar so yeah like her parents were like dorky and sciencey and Xeon was like very Cher from Clueless (laughs) (gasps) interesting 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 there you go I kind of wondered about the message they were trying to send or if they or if it was just like a uh, parents uh because fraud is bad, you know. If they truly like believed that no leaks had gotten out, that the space station was starting to act weird, like, and then their daughter calls them freaking out, saying that like this bad thing's gonna start happening to you if it hasn't already, and here's the explanation, and her parents are like, "You're gaslighting us." <laughs> and, um, but then they don't like they immediately discount it like when they walk away. So Max was onto something there, like just incompetent adults that even yeah. if this is ridiculous, I would, I personally would think there was some merit to her FaceTime yeah. data zap, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is at least Aunt Judy believed her. She was like, okay, we got to get you to space. I mean, she didn't, but she was like, we got to keep you safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, you said it a little bit before, but I guess like, and you you said it in your message to us about Halloween Town, about how it's very much just like being relatable to the people who were watching it and like 13 year old girls, especially. Um, and I can see that like, we have compared Xenon Carr and Marnie Piper, and they're both like 13 year old kind of unlikable main characters. But I think the difference is that like, we, they knew Xenon was a little bit unlikable. Mm-hmm. And it was she was unlikable in the way that all thirteen year old girls are unlikable, in that like yeah. they th- like they think the whole world revolves around them because they're in like the worst moment of their life, and all the problems that happen to them are the biggest in the world. Versus like Marnie just sucked. Um, yeah, she was more of a Lindsay Lohan and get a clue than she was yes. a Marnie Piper, mm-hmm. and I think that's and, good. Yeah, I, I did. I really enjoyed this. I would watch this again. Um, yeah, I, I I liked it. It was super cute. I actually think I am going to change my rating from the beginning. (gasps) Now that I've thought about it, I'm going to bump it up to a 3.75. 
god. <laughs> oh. Only a little bit of a bump. But now that I'm thinking about it and willingness to rewatch, 3.75 is what I gave Halloween Town 3. Um, mm. which as we all know was my favorite of the Halloween towns during this rewatch. And I would be just as, if not more, likely to rewatch this. Yeah. Than Halloween Town. So um there you go. Official change of the rating. Sticking with my three point two five. Mm-hmm. Oh, however, I'm going to, we alluded to this earlier, but I've been thinking about this for weeks. I am officially redacting my Get a Clue rating. I rated it far too high. It was the second week I was trying to be, we were trying to be critical. And I was like, oh, well, it's a better movie than this and this and that. I'm probably never going to rewatch Get a Clue. It was cute. Um, but I think I need to go back down to a three. Okay. Um, that's really interesting because I was going to change mine to a three as well. Okay. Solid threes. There you go. I'm glad that we've done this publicly. I yeah. was going to do it in our spreadsheet, but that felt dishonest. In the, well, you know what? It's important that we do this in the, you know, in an attempt to maintain as much transparency with our audience as possible. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, it was hard at the beginning. We didn't really know what our standard was going to be. And after looking at our past ratings, um, I'm like, you know, I liked it. It was fine. I'll probably never rewatch it. Yeah. But this, Xenon, I would rewatch probably not it's probably will be like a once a year maybe moment for me yeah not like a quarterly or a monthly like some of these but you know <laughs> yeah you know some of some of these i watch every week <laughs> some of these are on constant replay in my mind <laughs> yeah i just picture them in my brain as i fall asleep avalon high <laughs> creepy major hannah that's your yeah. of daydream is just you watching just me and Greg Sulkin. I'm kidding. It's no. not. Uh, mm, okay. <laughs> it's um, not. I think that is all that I had to say. R.E. Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. I think so, too. All right. Well, Hannah, before we wrap up, Hannah has random generated next week's movie. Oh. Good. I thought this was going to be a thing for me. I was like, oh, no. we didn't talk about this. I was like, oh, you're no. Good. Good. Random no. generated, like, a consequence no, or a jail no. sentence for what a you said. Like. For Sam. No. <laughs> Although, I, w- I am excited. I want to announce our movie that we're doing next week. And Lizzie and I, I already told Lizzie because we had a meeting earlier. Um, but I think it, it'll be a goodie. Um, it's a movie that people love to hate, I think. Um, but I'm excited to get a third party's opinion. Next week, we will be watching and reviewing, I don't even know the year, 2012? Radio Rebel. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, will we be receiving a voice message from you about this? You're going to receive a voice message from me in like 15 minutes. (laughs) Literally, I told Lizzie, I said, this is what I rolled. And she goes, I literally retweeted a gif of Debbie Ryan doing the thing earlier today. I did. It was about the Patriots game. (laughs) It was awesome. Um, I said, well, at first I was making you guess. And I said, Lizzie, it's the movie I told you. It's the only thing I did when I was in Belgium was I watched this movie. And I was like, oh. On my Airbnb's Netflix. (laughs) It's Radio Rebel. (laughs) Um... But yeah, I'm very excited. 
I think it'll mm-hmm. be fun. It's a well-known one. Everyone loves Debbie Ryan. Um, it also gives me an excuse to talk about one of my favorite pop culture topics, which is Debbie Ryan's wedding. Um, <sighs> okay. But I'll save that for the pod. Save it for the pod, Lizzie. Um, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much to Sam LaRoe for joining us. It has been a pleasure to have you on. And Sam is another one of our friends of the pod who listed almost every decom ever created in his willing to guest. Um, yeah. so, we will definitely, so Sam will be back. Definitely. He will definitely <laughs> be back, even if it's in an informal capacity as a voice message tormentor. Um, an enemy of the pod. Enemy of the pod. <laughs> Number one. Don't get it mixed, people. Um, if he, you know, sends us enough hurtful voice messages to get him a t-shirt made. <laughs> so what I'm going to start doing, I think, is like in 15 minutes, I'm going to send one about Radio Rebel. That's kind of rude. And then like, I'm just going to start sending like weekly rude messages that are not specific to any movie. Okay. <laughs> just, just for our hate mail segment at the beginning. Um, if you don't follow the Instagram, you can. It's slumberparty.pod. Um, a lot of people follow the Instagram but don't listen. So if you are mm. listening, your homework this week is to recommend the pod to at least one friend that you think would enjoy it or one enemy or a potential love interest or a hinge match. It gets you dates. It's proven 100% effective. Yeah. It's true. Again, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Sam, for coming on as a guest of the pod. Thank you for hosting. Hannah, take us away. This has been the Slumber Party Pod, a deep dive into DCOMs. This episode was edited by Lizzie and collectively conceived of as a postgrad crisis by Lizzie and Hannah. This podcast has been distributed by Anchor, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Hold on, I'm going to get a good cough out. Lizzie, edit this out. I will. Okay. <laughs> 13-year-old Lizzie! There's gonna be a murder here on this pod.